Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show, and we are live from Metro by T-Mobile, 87 West, 3300 South. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, and we have a very special guest to introduce Gordon before our next very special guest. We do. Uh, Joining us now on headset here at Metro by T-Mobile is Ellie. Hi, Ellie. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, did you come by here with your dad and your sister? Mm-hmm. But you listen to the show, don't you? And you were excited to see how it works, right? Yeah. All right. Are you ready to participate? Yeah. Okay. Joining us now, let's get out <laughs> to the zone phone. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is our good friend, David Locke. David, first of all, how are you? Hi, Ellie. How are you? Good. Ellie, uh, David, Ellie is eight years old. Ellie, does Gordon look a lot older than you thought he was going to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. She, she fits right in. With, she she fits right not in. that old. All right, Ellie. Uh, your favorite player is Rudy Gobert. Ellie. Oh, Ellie, that is a great choice. Ellie, who is the best defensive basketball player in the world? Mm. The answer is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. There you go. Now, job, you have a, a question for David? How old is Rudy Gobert? Is he 25? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, thought, I believe that. Is he 25? I thought he was old. I thought he was. I don't know. Let's find out. He, he stumped us. 27. He's 27. 27 is his number, huh? Ellie, and you, do you know why he wears number 27? No. That's what position he was drafted, and he thinks that everyone made a mistake because he thinks he's better than that, and he's right. And so he wears 27 to remind himself every day that he should have been drafted at a better position. Pretty cool, huh? Ellie, uh-huh. Ellie asked us a question, David. She said, is Rudy Gobert nice? He's so nice. And he's really smart, Ellie, and he reads a lot of good books, and he's very thoughtful. And he loves his mother. Oh, that's, oh, that's, always, nice. you, that's always a good thing. Did you know that, that Rudy Gobert buys four tickets, I think it's four, it might be two, in the front row of to every single game at the beginning of the season just so that when his mom comes to a game, that's where she can sit and he can see her from the bench. Wow. Right across that's from the bench. Cool. Mm-hmm. And he buys, them, he buys them for his mom, and then she comes, and I don't think she comes to more than like four or five games a year, but he wants to make sure she has those seats. So the other day, Rudy gave those seats to a nice young boy who they wanted to give her a nice occasion of the game. And so Rudy gave those seats to the boy. And so he sat in Rudy Gobert's seats. Pretty cool, huh? Do you, mm-hmm. think, do you think if we conjured up, uh, looked real hard, that we could find at some date uh, a, a ticket or two for Ellie to I bet go we to could, a jazz uh, game? I bet we could do something. All right. Yeah. Well, Ellie, thank you for jumping on the show with mm-hmm. us. Uh, and uh, you... Listen to your dad. He's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> Thanks, Ellie. We appreciate it. Thanks there for dropping by. It. Radio uh, superstar, Ellie. And uh, you know what, David? That's a great place to start the interview, talking uh, talking about Rudy Gobert and the adjustment he made last night on Carl Anthony Towns. He's so impressive. Gordon and I were talking about this earlier uh, today. You know, Rudy has evolved his whole game. He's just such an impactful defensive player. And then the answer to Carl Anthony Towns was, Rudy, we need you to go do more. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did, man. He was amazing last night. 
You have to treat Carl Anthony Towns like he's a shooting guard. That's what we talked about the whole broadcast. That's kind of what the coaching staff talked about. That you know he takes the second or the most amount of catch and shoot threes in the league. I think he takes the fourth most amount of threes in the league, and he makes the second most. Only James Harden makes more threes than Carl Anthony Towns. So you have to treat him like a shooting guard, and that's what Rudy did. Rudy got up on him, guarded him at 30 feet, and the one time Carl Anthony Towns tried to drive, Rudy altered the shot. And the night before when he tried to drive on him, Rudy blocked the shot. So suddenly you're taking away aspects of his game, and Rudy took the final aspect away. I I got an interesting question on my live podcast today. If Luka Doncic is an MVP candidate because of what he's doing and making Dallas the number one offense in the league – should Rudy Gobert be an MVP candidate for making the Jazz the number one defense in the league? The key word there is should. Uh, I think the answer would be probably yes. Uh, the problem is that, it, David, you know, the offense always, the offensive guys get all the glory. It's interesting. Right now, Dallas is, I think, the inverse of the Jazz. So I think they're number one offense in about 22nd defensively, and we're the number one defense in about 22nd offensively. So you're not going to penalize Luka Doncic for the fact that he might be the reason they're 22nd offensively, but you will punish Rudy Gobert if you think that he's the reason they're 22nd defensively or offensively, interestingly enough. David, you're, you're the first one who you brought this to my attention early on, and you are exactly right. It is what Jake was referring to there that – is there a player that's asked more of than Rudy Gobert? I mean, he does a little bit. Uh, he does a little bit of everything. Well, I think what was so fascinating about what happened last year, and then, and now it's it's. We'll see what happens. I mean, the game keeps evolving, right? The league's really good. Um, the coaches are also the best in the world. There's 450 best players in the world, and there's 27 best coaches in the world, and then there's three that probably aren't very good, um, but they get jobs, and then they don't get jobs. Um, I don't know who the three are, but that's generally the way I view it, is that there's 27 like great coaches in the league, and then there's three that stand out like a sore thumb. And I think that the they've in the leagues adjust, adjust. So, you know, Rudy last year had to play differently than he did the year prior. Like, that was the most incredible thing about Rudy last year, was that he played a very, very different style. As the game evolves, Rudy's going to have to keep playing a lot like the way he did last night, because... Um, if you look at the top catch-and-shoot three-point shooters in the NBA, the top eight or nine of them include Carl Anthony Towns, Laurie Markkinen, uh, Chris Dapps, Przingis, and Al Horford. Well, at times, all four of those play the center position. And so if four of the top six or seven catch-and-shoot guys are now centers, then this, you've got at least four nights a year where you're going to have to go play on the perimeter. And I think that number is going to – you know, it's interesting to me of where the game's going is I think that number is – going to be 15 or 20 of the top 30 here pretty soon catch and shoot guys are going to be centers um and i would you know probably gonna take five to eight years for that to happen but that's where the game's going and so you're gonna have this incredible juxtaposition of rim defense is the number one priority in the league right now even over three-point shooting defense and so the way you stop rim defense is you have a catch and shoot five then no one, then you got to come out and get off the rim, and so that's the way the league's going. And so then, what are what's going to happen? Like that's going to be the next evolution of like how do you deal with this? How do you defend these fives that can shoot threes and protect the rim at the same time? That that's the next six, seven, eight years this league. 
You know, kind of in that similar vein, David, you're uh, you're kind of on the cutting edge when it comes to analytics. You follow trends in the NBA really closely. Uh, Did my agent, to- which I don't have, send you guys checks this week, or what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're, Ellie, they put could. A, Ellie put us in a good mood. We are mood. in a good yeah. mood. Okay. Yeah, we're absolutely okay. in that's, a good mood. That's fair. Overly complimentary makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Well, no, and this is kind of out of the blue, but what is kind of the geeky stat out there that is kind of the new thing that people are paying attention to? Uh, I mean, shot distribution is really big right now, and um, and then that shot distribution, which you know, I think I was probably ahead of the game on a little bit, um, or at least talk know people that were ahead of the game, and they taught me that. and so the league is now really protecting the rim. Like, so offense is down right now in the league. Um, last year, the offensive rating in the league was 110 points per 100 possession. It's 107 right now. Now you have to realize if offense gets better as the year goes on. So if you go to the equivalent of last year, it's 100. It was 108, but a point's a lot. So what's going on? Well, rim shots are down by about two percent. Um, and that might just be it all by itself. Like that little thing. If you move a shot, if you think about it, just logically, if if the shot is a, sorry, I'm going to totally geek out here, but if it's, you know, 0.7 points per shot, or it's really 0.65, but call it, or excuse me, 1.4 points per shot to shoot at the rim, and it's 0.8 points per shot to shoot a floater, um, if you're moving two of those there, that's that's the difference, right? Like, that's absolutely fundamentally the math difference of what's happened in the league is that two shots a night are going from the rim into the floater zone and that's making offenses less good. Um, the offensive fouls I think are a part of it and the traveling might be too, but turnover rate's not up a lot. So that actually doesn't jive. It just feels that way. Um, so that I think is the next thing, Jake. And I think it's the thing right now. The thing right now is this rim defense and then that's going to lead to that. Otherwise, um, you know, in, there's you'll hear the jazz are big on it and you've probably heard a little bit qsq which is quantified shot quality um this is really so geeky that people are going to drive off the road and and um i know i'm trying to figure out how to easily explain this um so interestingly enough the the variance of what you actually shoot as a team off the quality of shots you get is much smaller than people realize so Basically, you, you just can't shoot that much better than your shot quality. I know it doesn't, like as a team, over a course of a year, it should feel like well, we have really good shooters. We'll be way better. Other than the Warriors and the Raptors, nobody was more than a percentage and a half, 1.5 percentage points better than their shot quality last year. That's like not very much. So shot quality is really important. The other one, uh, sorry, you, I wasn't prepared. Now you got me thinking. Um, I'm working on this tonight probably. Um, I think eight of the ten best, this all relates, these all go together, eight of the ten best pick-and-roll combinations right now are pick-and-pop, not pick-and-roll. Like the pick-and-roll pick might be disappearing from the league, which is a concern wow. for the Jazz. So, David, uh, all those stats you just gave roll into a question that I have for you and something you've brought up so many times in the past. Gordon, if you can make sense of that gobbledygook, you are really, really smart. David, you know know I'm not a numbers guy, but I love hearing it, you know, because it makes you think, and that's what's cool about the whole thing. The, the Jazz, obviously, they want to get to the rim. They want to shoot the three. And you, you've you gone on and on about that and have uh, clarified that for listeners for a long time. What do the Jazz do 
when those mid-range shots are what defenses are giving them. Is it okay for them to go ahead and quote-unquote settle for those mid-range shots, or should they work the ball, work the ball, work the ball until they get either a three or a dunk? They should patiently move into the mid-range and move the ball back out. That's oversimplifying. There are times when you have to take the mid-range shot. I'm not saying you're taking zero. Ideally, you're taking 20%. That's really hard to do. Um, that's the ideal uh, of your shots as mid-range shots. You cannot afford to take 35% of your shots as mid-range shots. You just can't. Like, I, I know the, de- I, the defense is giving it to you is the worst argument I, in basketball. Like, you've got – it's like the defense – it's like third and 14, and the defense gives you the five-yard dump off, and you take it every time. You punt, Right? So what happened right? the other the, night? What happened the, the football, other night, David? That's the football against, equivalent. Okay, so what happened the other night against Minnesota when Jake? You had this stat. What was it? What were the Jazz from mid range oh. in that game? It was like oh my four gosh. of thirty one or something. I right, don't know. So, so two things happened. One is for all the nights that we survived on the mid range. Like I love this is my favorite. Jake's heard this because I think he listens to the radio broadcast now. So. My biggest pet peeve is Charles Barkley. You live and die by the three. You actually don't. You actually live and die by the two. Um, and you live and die by the two equally as much, if not more, than you live and die by the three. And so we died by the two for a night. Well, we lived by the two on some other nights. But since the average shooting percentage of those shots in the league is 40%, you're actually, and the value of them is less, you're actually more likely to die from them than you are anywhere else. Um, and so on that night, we just didn't make shots. We took too many of them. So <clears throat> what the Jazz did differently in the second game against Minnesota is they were in much less of a rush. You know, there's, Mike Conley came into the paint on numerous occasions and either retreated back out or held in dribble or kind of surveyed the scene and kicked it somewhere. And Donovan did too. Donovan was in a major rush that night. There were all these possessions where Donovan drove in the lane and, and was just at mock speed and just too fast to make a decision, so he floats up a bad shot. And then he was just adapted so much better, and the coaching staff helped him with it in, in drills, in shoot-around the day before or the day of the game to try to figure out how to do that. So, you know, really a, a great tribute to the Jazz and what they were able to do in that regard to be able to um, do kind of adjust game to game. But Carl Anthony Towns, who is not a very good defensive player, particularly in space, is now just playing at the rim. Like, he just sits on the rim. And so it's really hard to get to the rim against them. And that's what you have to do. You have to come in there patiently. And then what we're seeing Mike Conley do is what's called the Nash dribble. And Steve, this is, they call it that because of Steve Nash. And the Nash dribble is, let's say you start Mike Conley left-handed on the left side of the floor. You go under the bat. Instead of shooting, you go under the basket and come out the other side. And now you've kind of inverted their defense. And there's all sorts of things. A cutter can come now. Rudy can set another pick. Rudy stays on the weak side and you lob over the top, which is one of the things, Mike. There's all sorts of worlds that open up to you at that point. So that's a really good example of where Mike is adjusting. Now, Mike, for 12 years, has shot this little floater and fairly successfully as the primary option in Memphis, but he's never played with this kind of talent before. So now he needs to come around and find other players. He did it a little bit. He bypassed the layup to find Boyan in the corner three late in the game. It was really a pretty tremendous play. Um, so he did, you know, he's done. He did a bunch of those. He was great last night. And you're seeing that evolution. And I actually talked with um, Mike about this. He doesn't think he Nash dribbled for any ever in the last 10 years. So you're literally training him to do something brand new that he's never, ever done before, despite being a near all-star and a $30 million a year player. I mean, what a task. And he is willing to do it, which tells you how incredible he is. And he said, and I, I don't know if you 
if you still have it, Jake, I thought his post-game interview last night was incredible when he said it's been humbling to go through this. He thought, he, you know, you thought you knew it all after 12 years and thought you could do everything, and now you're finding out there's things you don't know how to do. He said, it, you know, that was very insightful and interesting. You know, David, not only do I listen to the radio broadcast, uh, of course, because I think you and Ron do a good job, but I relied on it solely last night as I was uh, sitting in my car in a parking lot waiting mm. for a tow truck. You might have noticed it. Were you surprised when Scotty ambushed I, you on the post game? I was. I was. Scotty, I, I got a little word. Scotty got a, I did a few extra game recaps so Scotty would know what was going on last night. I'm sorry that that happened to you last night. So hopefully we gave you a good call. You know, there's. I saw a poll voting around Twitter um, on who your favorite broadcaster is, and no offense to my good friend Bowler, who's in first place right now, and he should be, but he shouldn't be because it needs to be 1041 straight pulling off the votes. Man, nobody is working harder than Ron Boone right now, and the work he is doing is on our broadcast is incredible. He was at this whole last three days. He was a, he was the only guy I went to practice on Saturday or Sunday, and he came in his church clothes, and uh, they've been giving him a hard time about that sense of whether he's going to stay dressed up for practice. And Quinn worked on a bunch of things where he was. You know, we're really integral to the broadcast the last two nights, and he he had all of those. His work's incredible right now. So if you're listening to the broadcast, hopefully you're listening for Ron, and hopefully I'm occasionally letting him talk. Just a little plug for Booner and my favorite. Well, I have lots of favorite segments on the broadcast, but I love the shoot-around report with Booner. Uh, and, David, I think there's a reason you put it right before tip-off because Boone, you know, who's going to get mad at Booner, right? Uh, but Boone gets, right. like, the whole game plan right before tip-off. He totally does. <laughs> the shoot-around report. He totally it's, does. It's absolutely great. Oh, now, look, no, I, like, I don't – I'm serious. Like, ahead, you don't have to listen to our radio broadcast. Listen, I say it every time we start that segment. Like, if you're going to go watch Bowler and Matt, that's fine, or Bowler and Thurl. But make sure you listen to the shoot around for because Ron will basically give you all the things you need to watch for the entire game and what's going to take place. And I mean, he literally got into the whole thing of what side they wanted Andrew Wiggins to go last night. He talked about Rudy Gobert staying attached to uh, Jeff, to Carl Anthony Towns, and he talked about Rudy Gobert blowing up the handoff uh, that they run with between Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague because Rudy was going to stay attached to Towns, and they ran it twice early in the game, never ran it again. I'm telling you, if that segment were any earlier in the show, the opposing oh, no. head coaches would oh, be, right. like, dialed into the radio. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no way we could do that. We, we might even be – like, we're, we're doing that, like, before starting lineups, and we almost need to move it to, like, at tip-off. It's you got, really you got it straight from Quinn. It's really I'm true. Press. Here it is. Hey, David, I don't want to make you nervous or make you feel uncomfortable, but we started this with compliments for you. But I think people listen to hear what you have to say, my friend. It's not just uh, 1,041 1, straight that they're tuning in for. So, anyway, well, we got an interesting. Well, that's nice. We got an interesting question the other day about what the favorite part of a broadcast was because we were take our second quarter is now commercial free. And so we're taking questions sometimes. And it was pretty – like I had never thought about it. And actually my answer to the question was exactly what we're talking about. It's both watching the coaches' preparation come to fruition. So games like last night where you know their game plan and you see it work. And then simultaneously preparing a broadcast with a – with probably with that knowledge and then the data to back it up or the ins- and actually have it come to fruition. So it's fun, and Ron's really – Ron really makes it possible. It's pretty fun to have a guy who's 70 years old buying into the whole new world and and diving in like he is. David, thank you as always, and we'll catch up with you tomorrow night in the pregame. Sounds good. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. You were sitting in your car listening, and your car didn't work. Yeah, the car didn't work. But the radio did. The radio worked fine. (laughs) The radio worked terrifically well. 
uh, got all the broadcast. Yeah, I was. Well, it's it a good thing great. you had like a salami sandwich in there, and you had like some chips left over oh, from last week. Survived for like a month. Had a six pack of soda in the back seat. I know. I should have given it to you. That it's actually true. It's Diet Coke that uh, was left over from like a picnic or something we had during the summer. I've been meaning to give my mom <laughs> for like four months. I should have uh, just given it to you. You know, all our listeners think we're kidding. We're not, not kidding. <laughs> I'm not this kidding is at all. Jake's car, which is now kaput. It's gone. I think you need to uh, had, had everything known to mankind. I think you had didn't you have like uh, okay you had a deli board. Right, I didn't have a deli. You, you had a bunch of drinks. You had uh, reading material. You had, I think, you had a, a portable TV back there, didn't you? No, or something? I didn't have that. Well, I had lots of jackets, lots of sweatshirts, <laughs> lots of had a closet. Will you please video of, and post to Twitter as you uh, empty the car and clean it out? That'd be fascinating. I could, it, it would be funny. What I what I find if you have car. all that in the car, what's in the trunk? Oh, the trunk. Uh, well, I've got a stroller, some golf clubs. <laughs> More jackets, more sweatshirts. Uh, I know right now I have a blown-out flip-flop that happened on a trip several years ago. Do you – now, why do you store all that stuff in your car? I, I wouldn't call it storing as much as just <laughs> not getting It's like a garbage hoarding. Yeah, you're right. All right, we're at Metro uh, by T-Mobile. Come see us, 87 West, 3300 South. Get switched over to Metro. They've got great deals going on right now. You can choose two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG. Uh, These are top-notch phones. They're absolutely terrific. Plus, if you switch over, you'll get a brand-new tablet for free. Uh, so come take advantage of it. Uh, you can get full Amazon Prime membership included in Metro by T-Mobile. It's awesome. All for just $100 for three lines only right here at Metro by T-Mobile, 87 West, 3300 South. More coming up next on The Big Show. Josh Parcell joins us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.